Hey, welcome to Foolproof Theology. Welcome to the Patreon-only exclusive content. Thanks for being with me and signing up for the Patreon. Um, I'm trying to provide exclusive content that's a little bit more private where we can have uh, kind of conversations. You can interact with me, comment, provide suggestions. I've got some content I'm hoping to uh, to put out at the suggest of one Patreon on Soteriology. So that'll come out either as a Patreon exclusive or just to the general uh, podcast feed. Today's episode, I wanted to highlight uh, a curious case. And as as I said last time when I kind of did a case study on what's going on with the village, Matt Chandler, acknowledging that I don't know all the details, the ins and outs. And so uh, speculating on that kind of stuff can be dangerous. Um, I wanted to, to address one uh, pastor in Acts 29, uh, particularly not him particularly, but using him as a case study. He's an Anglican pastor in Australia named Guy Mason. Now, Guy Mason recently um, kind of received a bit of uh, notoriety for a sermon he he published on transgenderism. So in that sermon, he he was trying to, and, and he's kind of in a sermon series called Left Versus Right, and uh, very well-produced sermon series. And he's going week by week through through different examples in society of left versus right. And invariably, he employs somewhat of a third way um, in each sermon, as is predictable. I see a lot these days. And if you want to go listen to other podcast episodes I've done on third way, you can go listen to those. But in particular, the, uh, the episode on transgenderism, or the sermon, I should say, on transgenderism, he tries to strike this balance uh, in this kind of tone where he wants to be true to what the Bible says, but also really accommodating. Um, and, you know, I don't know that he would want to be called a progressive. In fact, he would probably say he's not. He's an Anglican church. Uh, he's very, uh, very kind of like, that's his, that's his thing. Look, we're Anglican, we're inclusive, we're tolerant, we're diverse. Um, and I'll get to that kind of the, at the end of the episode. But he says we must, in that sermon, he says we must advocate for uh, transgender rights. Uh, we must uh, get them the health care they need. We must... The church should be kind of on the front lines uh, of caring for them. And if that means we need gender-inclusive bathroom, that that's fine. Um, just kind of all these kind of like very accommodating, a very accommodating perspective to to that particular topic. Um, and so you can go find that. I actually post a link to um, some of the videos from that in the show notes so that you can go look those up on your own time. I, don't, I thought about trying to screen share here, but... I think I've done a pretty accurate job of what he recounted in that sermon. So that's what's going on, or that was what is going on. And so he's done a whole sermon series. He's got Michael Bird coming in. Um, he did a, he did not Michael, but the pastor Guy Mason did at City on a Hill. He did a uh, Q and A after the sermon. It didn't get much better in terms of standing up for biblical orthodoxy. It was very soft in my estimation. Uh, and how it addressed this matter. And you can go listen to that. And it took, you know, as one, one audience member, um, asked, is it a sin for me to be transgender? And the, the, during the Q and a, I don't think it was guy. It was, uh, some lady who was answering questions with him said, maybe, maybe not. And so like, you can tell that this, this sermon series, this church, their posture has, is very much one of let's avoid conflict uh, let's let's avoid the antithesis. Let's avoid kind of like 
saying plainly what the Bible teaches and what biblical historic orthodoxy has been in favor of centering the gospel in Jesus so that we don't needlessly cause offense. And this is something I've addressed in other podcast episodes, so I'm not going to belabor that, but you can go read James Wood on Third Way and kind of his critique on that thing. And so typically this this is like a gospel, they call it a gospel-centered approach where you're going to forefront the gospel in Jesus and just focus on that, okay? And so that's going to be all the other controversial stuff. We can just kind of like, we can all coexist. We can embrace multiculturalism. We can embrace all this stuff if we just have Jesus. And I don't know about you, but for me over the last two years, I found that to be pretty futile, uh, almost impossible given the, the climate today. I'm not saying it's it's not ever advisable or not, not ever something we should desire or even aim for in certain situations. But given how quickly cultural erosion has happened and ethical norms have been tossed, uh, it's becoming very impossible to just maintain this kind of uh, neutral stance on a lot of issues. Okay, so that gets you kind of caught up. Um, that brings us to Thorburn. So Andrew Thorburn is the chairman of the elder board at City on a Hill, which is Guy Mason's church. And Andrew Thur Thorburn... Uh, just this week, some news broke regarding his appointment and hire as the CEO of a football club named Essendon. And it's an Australian rules football club. Looks pretty pretty fun. They don't wear pads. It's like uh, it's kind of like rugby, I guess. Um, but regardless, he was appointed the CEO of that organization. And within 24 hours, he was forced to resign. Now, you could use the word force or whatever. He He resigned. Um, and it was pretty obvious why. So the reason why was that he was the chairman of the elder board of City on a Hill Church, and they found City on a Hill Church sermons from 2013 where Guy Mason uh, compared abortion to a holocaust. And uh, he also they also found statements on the church website regarding homosexuality and how marriage is between man and woman. And so... Within 24 hours of Andrew Thorburn, the the president of the board, chair of the board of City on a Hill, uh, getting appointed as CEO to this football club, apparently a, a pretty good one in Australia, uh, he's ousted and he resigns. Now, two things happened. One, Thorburn was interviewed about this. Thorburn said a couple of interesting things, and I'm going to link to uh, Al Mohler's podcast on this topic. Um, because he did a good job of highlighting a couple of things. But Thorburn was interviewed, and one thing he said was that he was, you know, it became apparent that there wasn't tolerance for his religious beliefs, okay? So, you know, he's kind of pulling the, look, I'm I'm kind of being persecuted here. There's not tolerance for people with different viewpoints. He tries to celebrate, you know, that City on a Hill is a very diverse church, and and inclusive, and he's tolerant of all sorts of people. And so he says that in the interview, but he also says in another interview that he was unaware of the church's stance on these matters, and that he's only been on the chair of the elder team for two years. Which is odd. If you're the president of an elder board, or the chair of an elder board, and you're not aware of the church's teaching on some key matters culturally, I, you know, I would say that would be concerning. And so he's he's in a precarious position where on the one hand, he's been removed as the CEO of this football club. 
On the other hand, he doesn't seem to even know what his own church believes or teaches or has taught. And then in the same interview, he also said he disagrees with some things that are taught at the church. So now you've got your, if you're a pastor and you're hearing this and you've got your lay chairman of the elder board, who's very powerful, was a powerful bank executive. Now he's out in public saying he doesn't agree with what you teach sometimes and he doesn't even know what your church believes. That's not a good look. Okay, that's, I'll just put it that way. That's not great. So then it's kind of, okay, so we got Guy Mason teaching on transgenderism in a pretty soft way. Um, I would I would even go so far as to call it unbiblical. Um, I mean, you can go listen to it for yourself, but like, it, like I don't know how you would consider yourself a, a conservative Christian teacher teaching what he taught. Then you move to the elder, chairman of the elder board getting fired. Um, and then even, uh, even the premier of that region, I forget his name. I don't know all these people, um, because it's Australian. I don't keep up with that, uh, that much. Uh, they called the church bigoted that these views are unacceptable in society, uh, all this kind of stuff. So now you've got a political leader coming down on city on a hill. And so just imagine the pressure that this pastor's under. I mean, Guy Mason is trying to thread the needle. He's trying to really do a good job of being faithful but it doesn't seem to be enough. And then within a month of him kind of teaching on sexuality and these kind of things, he even he's taught on abortion too. Um, the, the premier, the, the local political leader of your area calls you out for being bigoted and intolerant and saying your views are not welcome in Australia. So, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a bit ironic. You know, in Australia, I don't know what kind of policies they have. In America, we have a pretty good, you know, free speech, you know, defense. In Australia, I don't think they've got that. But so whether he was doing, whether Mason's presentation of these ideas was trying to kind of hedge some position where they could still exist as a minority community in Australia with Christian beliefs, or whether it was to try to like prove that Christians aren't bigots or whatever it was, it obviously wasn't enough because the media found these kind of uh, sermons from or statements from 2013 on these matters. So then that brings us to kind of the last point. So Mason, Guy Mason is now getting interviewed and you've got to appreciate the position this leader, uh, Pastor Mason is under. Um, you know, <laughs> this has been a tremendous, tremendously stressful experience, I'm sure. Um, a lot of press. And so he's going on interviews. So he gets interviewed by a couple of talk shows. I listened to one of those and I'll put it in the show notes. And the whole thing is just so sad to listen to. And here's why. Because um, he's taking he's taking the script of basically our church is tolerant, diverse, and inclusive. We love life and we love Jesus. And then you hear the interviewer go, well, don't you believe abortion is a sin? And Guy Mason won't give him a straight answer. And he says, we believe that we are defenders of life and we love all life. The mother and babies, we love all life. And then they ask about uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And Guy Mason's defense is, we're just Anglican. That's what Anglicanism teaches. And so Anglicanism teaches that it's a beautiful thing for a man to be married to a woman. So he's, I understand the strategy he's taking in the interview. It's not that I don't understand what's happening. The strategy he's taking is trying to focus on the positive, trying to paint a positive light, trying to reinforce, and trying to forget about any kind of 
uh, negativity and ill perception. So then the interviewer asks him, he goes, well, don't you feel like you're being persecuted? And Guy Mason can't even admit that he's being persecuted or that his church has experienced persecution because of their beliefs. He goes, no, not at all. I'm not even offended. And it's like, dude, your government official just called your views bigoted and that they're not welcome in your country. And you still can't deal with the fact that like, that's not going well for you. And so I think about four or five times he says, our church is diverse and inclusive. Our church is diverse and inclusive. We love everyone. And like the interviewer is obviously not buying it. And no one, like if you were just a person on the streets, you're not buying this. This is not, and I want to contrast it with the way that Eric, uh, with the way uh, Kanye West was on, uh, was interviewed just recently and the way he defended life just publicly and just said, yeah, this is what I believe. And just very plainly. Now, whatever you make of Kanye's faith, whether it's, uh, he's truly converted. Um, he's obviously claims Christ now. And so, uh, we'll see how his faith matures over time as it's being tested. But for now, what he's doing is defending very Christian beliefs regarding modesty, regarding, uh, how we should, not not be proponents at all of abortion, that abortion's wicked. And then you've got Kanye out there saying, you know, abortion is the extermination of black people. And then in this interview that that um, Guy Mason has, they they pick on him and they say, back in this sermon, you said that abortion is like the Holocaust. Can't you see why that's offensive, Guy? And Pastor Guy Mason says, yes, I, I, I see that now. And I would not use those words today. And so this posture of constantly accommodating and trying to find this neutral ground where it's like, if I can just deny that we are at war in any kind of cultural sense with secularism, with with forces that are powerful, that are in government, that are in finance, that are in media, if I can just like ignore it, and focus on the positive, it feels like positivism. It feels like we can just like manifest some future reality where we're all just getting along. And like, guy, that's not coming. That's not coming. Unless there's some big cultural changes, unless a lot of people get saved uh, very soon, that doesn't seem to be happening. And so this is why I think it's a good case study for us, especially as an Acts 29 pastor myself, because what guy's doing is what I've been taught to do missionally is that we should look, do not call it a sin. We should float doctrines on different doctrines. We need to float the, uh, the a doctrine on a B doctrine. We need to connect with a secular audience in the most accommodating way possible. And then later we'll bring in the fact that look, you know, actually Christianity teaches this great example. Recently, Tim Keller, uh, he has a politician at his church who is a Democrat who has received a hundred a hundred percent rating from Planned Parenthood, and she's running for office in New York City right now. And she's proud of the fact that Tim Keller is her pastor. Pastor Keller, I love him, and yet here she is, and she advocates for abortion, and she's a big fan of it. I don't know how that happens. Like if she is a member at that church, and that is what she's doing out in public. Like that, that to me is just another sign of how this model is not biblically faithful. It may have some usefulness and may have some good stuff to offer sometimes, 
But for this moment, it is leading so many pastors to cowardice in the face of questions that we would, you know, walk back these, look, abortion is a genocide. Oh, I'm so sorry I said that. That's offensive. It's like, well, Kanye is up there saying it. Why does he have more courage than us who are in the pulpit? Like we have the word of God and we are standing upon the word of God. We are to be trumpeting it. I was just thinking of this. I read an article in American Reformer this week, and it was talking about how John Knox, when he came on the scene, um, was kind of a firebrand, right? And so he, uh, you know, he, he said a lot of stuff that got him in trouble. He's a very powerful leader. And it really is indicative of, uh, of kind of how a lot of our, our, our leaders, it's actually the opposite of how our leaders lead today. And so in this article, it says, we need bold shepherds and courageous reformers. We tend to look back at important reformers in history with a sentimental, sentimentalist fil filter. Luther would never be confused as winsome. Neither would John Knox. According to Martin Lloyd-Jones, God raised up Knox in his time for a special task. And this is a quote, a mild man would have been useless in the Scotland of the 16th century. A strong man was needed, a stern man, a courageous man, and such a man was John Knox. In those times, an heroic, rugged character was needed, and God produced the man. And, end quote. A biographer of Knox said this, quote, A gentle flute or plaintive violin may have their place, but they will never awaken a slumbering church in a dark hour. Give us men like Knox with a trumpet to their lips, sounding their master's message plainly and boldly to the ears of all. End quote. And think about how different that is. You know, guys like that today, we put out to pasture, we say they're too far gone. We look at John MacArthur kind of writing a letter to Gavin Newsom and we're like, gosh, we don't want to, we don't want to be perceived that way by the world. Friends, I honestly, like at this point, I don't know what to do for that kind of attitude. I want to help. I want to like, I want to equip. I want to think of creative ways. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be John Knox or everybody needs to be MacArthur calling out Newsom. But look, like that, that kind of attitude of neutral world, winsome, We'll just kind of like keep our heads down. Boys, that's that's not the way forward. And we need to remember, we need to remember the men who came before us, not only in the Reformation, but in America. We need to remember the early church. We need to remember the prophets in the Bible. We need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to represent his truth accurately to a watching world. When we are questioned about our beliefs, we need to preach the gospel, the full gospel, the full counsel of the word of God, instead of cowering and accommodating and keep trying to cut away very basic answers when they ask us. It would be better if that interviewer, that Guy Mason was interviewed interviewed by, got the full weight of the Word of God on himself, turning the question back on the interviewer and saying, you need to repent, you need to turn to Christ. It was constantly trying to go, we're Anglican, we're accommodating, we're tolerant, we're diverse, more inclusive. This is not a winning strategy. It, it not only is it not winning just from a from a matter of like culture. It's not a biblically winning strategy. It may be useful interpersonally sometimes, but this is not the way forward. And so that's why I wanted to highlight this case. If I ever get the chance to talk to guy, I'd love to talk to him. It's not like I have a bunch of personal animosity towards the man himself. I just wanted to use this as a case study, and hopefully, what I've reported here is accurate. I'm going to record in the show notes some articles that, that you can link to, Al Mohler's podcast, so you can hear it for yourself. 
Um, I'm hopeful that Guy will turn away from this kind of approach to, to being missional and cultural engagement. And I'm hopeful that God will strengthen him for the task at hand and that their chairman of the elder board will own up to what his church teaches and that the, uh, the, the ministers in Australia will repent from their wicked ways, from, from trying to, from ousting this guy from his job because of what the church teaches and from also calling this church city on a hill bigots and all this kind of stuff and saying they're unwelcome. That's wicked rulership. And those, so I, I would, I would hope and pray that they repent as well. So hopefully this was illuminating. At least there's a lot of content I produce that maybe you either have a problem with, disagree with. I'd love to hear what you think though. So feel free to comment in the Patreon. Uh, we can get a discussion started. Um, what, what did you hear that was helpful? What do you disagree with? What do you think might be some helpful suggestions for how we can move forward? Thanks for joining me today. 